Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What's good, y'all, and welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, welcome back after a week off, buddy. Hi, friends. Good to be back. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird week because we 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 had like most of our prep uh from from last week done already. So I, I, this, this, you, you guys are getting recycling. You guys are getting some nature-friendly content this week. You're also getting it. We're recording a day early uh, for, for good reason, obviously. Uh, I am fortunate enough to be able to uh, get uh, swooped and picked up from the airport tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday night on Friday by one Schwebzy and taken straight to a Mets game, basically, because uh, I'm going to New York. For the first time in my life, which is pretty crazy to think about. I'm actually shocked that I haven't gone yet, considering I've been to Newark, I think, four times, which is a very weird thing to say out loud. I'm uh, I'm so excited. Well, so we're, we're going to have some time in between picking you up from the airport and taking you to City Field. So yes. I got to I got to I got to get an itinerary together. I got to figure out what to do for oh, those boy. few hours. Oh, oh, boy. What are we going to do? I'm so I excited. Got, I got to show my buddy a good time. It's going to be great. I'm very excited to see you, my good friend. We're also going to see some other folks from Pitcherless, which is going to be great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get to look Nicholas Peter Pollock directly in those beautiful baby browns. No, you won't. He's like a foot taller than you. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to be staring directly at his chest. <laughs> <laughs> Just, hey, what's up? I'm not going to look up at him. I'm going to make him come down to my level is what I'm going to do. I'm going to drag him down to my level. He's going to have to, he's, he's going to have to give me like one of those really good, like he's going to like pop down, like squat and. All right, Jordan, Jordan's up, gonna make Jordan's gonna make what's direct up? sternum eye contact. I'm I'm gonna make this man give me a what's up, champ. <laughs> hey, killer <laughs> squat. Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, very excited about that. There's a handful of us going to a Mets game tomorrow night, and then there's a pitcherless meetup on Saturday uh, in Brooklyn, which we're very excited for. Uh, so it's gonna be great to meet a bunch of my colleagues that I have not met in person. Yeah, and uh, so that's pretty that's sick. open to the public. So if you're in New York and you listen to this podcast early Saturday morning, feel feel free to meet us uh, at the Commissioner in Brooklyn uh, at four o'clock, where we will be hanging out, sharing some drinks, and uh, talking about uh, ever, everything but baseball. In my experience, and if you tell them that Jordan and Schwebzy sent you, they will still make you pay full price because we have no sort of pull anywhere. They, they might make you pay um, more because you tried to true. use that. Like, who are these chumps? Yes. No. Uh, but yes. So feel free to join us there at what is the commissioner you said? Yes. I have no, I have no clue where I'm going this weekend. Pretty much. I'm just going to be bouncing around. Uh, also, I have no itinerary you, for myself. 
the uh, a special guest who will be also coming to the commissioner with us and who I'm excited to introduce Jordan to is my puppy Tater. <gasps> I forgot that you're bringing the dog. I get to meet that. That's actually the more important part here is that I get to meet uh, the, the youngest member of the uh, Schwebzy family, the young Tater, as it were, the tot. He's he's had oh. such a he's had such a shockingly good time up here in New Jersey. His like say, he had a nice little car ride, didn't he? His accidents per day is drastically lower in New Jersey than it is at home in North Carolina. You love to see it. You truly love to see it. Uh, the advanced tater metrics are are looking looking up. Tater metrics is a very good uh, spoonerization of saber metrics. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's very good. Uh, speaking of taters, so I wanted to bring this up because I wanted to uh, talk about something that I actually want to try to do at some point. Uh, there was an exchange I had with uh, someone from White Sox Twitter uh, not too long ago. It was a couple of weeks ago at this point, but essentially it was just a reminder that you can bring certain types of food into the ballpark as long as you bring them in like a clear plastic bag. So like trail mix, things like that, little like sandwiches. That's okay to do uh, specifically in guaranteed rate field in Chicago. I found out that you can pretty much bring, as long as it's in like an appropriate container, a lot of different foods into American Family Field. Shwebsy, I need I need suggestions. What what's the most outlandish, like out of pocket thing that I can bring into American Family Field in like a two gallon Ziploc? Oh, too easy. You got to bring some homemade Amfam clams. Oh, clams. Oh, oh, I like that, actually. That's very good. Very on brand. I was thinking just like a whole freaking lasagna just jammed into like a two-gallon bag. Do you think they would just let me bring an entire hot dish? I don't... I, it can't be in Tupperware, right? It's got to be in like a, no, a soft bag. No, ba- no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, so to bake it and then cool it so it's like the congealed like solid piece like a ziploc bag of tupperware and then i'm gonna, and then I'm gonna slide uh, that of, bad of boy lasagna. into like a two gallon yes exactly a two gallon bag of lasagna so i'm gonna slide it in there and then by the time i get to the game and i'm there for a little while like i'll probably like pregame whatever i'll be out in the parking lot do some tailgating whatever i can just walk up with it it's gonna be a hot summer day by the time i get in there that thing's gonna be at like i don't know room temperature of the outside they're just, we'll they're be, just, <laughs> i think that the, the locals will just mistake that for chicago pizza oh god don't don't i mean that 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 feels like it feels that very is, offensive <laughs> i don't know how to do, i don't know how to formulate like why it is but that feels very very offensive that is 100 percent a a new york native talking down on chicago pizza yes that's what that was I feel like you also talk down on Wisconsinites in the same breath, though. That's the other part of it. You I, you not only called you not only called Chicago style pizza substandard. You also called people from Wisconsin dumb. It's really incredible that you're able to do what you do. I I I, I do not expect Wisconsinites to identify a good slice of pizza now. <laughs> Terrible. But uh, I I feel the same way about like 35 states at least the worst but that that's just east coast supremacist over here it's it's new york it's new york pizza supremacy is what it is i'm not sorry no i I, i'm not sorry about this at all i'm 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 never gonna try to get an apology out of you on any of that i understand (laughs) it's fine 
I understand I, your pride. It's fine to have pride in where you're from. I, I, I will be. I will be issuing those statements. I will be making no apologies. Fair enough. Unless uh, Nick Pollock the, makes me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, maybe I'll get an apology out of you this weekend when I actually get to see you. And even if I just, did apologize, off unofficial. Even if I did apologize, it would be like, "I'm sorry, you guys were offended by the correct thing I said." The worst kind of person. Good God. Uh, okay, Shrubsy, we're already almost nine minutes into this podcast. I do have one more non-fantasy baseball related thing that I wanted to cover because we only got enough banter for one week there. We, we did miss right. week, so we it's some more two banter weeks of top, banter. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks worth of banter. Uh, there was another discussion I got in because there was something that I, th- I think I originally said it was Lane Grindle. Who is the radio announcer for the Brewers. It was actually Jeff Levering on the broadcast, I believe, who said this, but he used the phrase to describe the bases being loaded. The sacks are packed. Which is which fantastic. I thought, which I thought was one, fantastic, two, very, it's, it, it is provocative. It gets the people going. Uh, so my, my other thing that I kind of pitched to you is like, are there any other ways, new and inventive, that we could come up with? to say that the bases are loaded well you have been leaving me hanging for you know a week now because you threw this prompt out a week ago and said that you were saving it for the episode which we never wound up recording last week so that's correct i've been waiting so so eagerly to hear what yours is but i'll I'll start so because you said yours is really good so we'll save yours for last i I, yeah i'm saving mine for last that's so i say i i have two that i really like okay one one of them uh, in in honor of Leslie Jordan, R.I.P. As Lord have mercy, the bases are about to bust. <laughs> Lord have mercy, the bases are gonna bust. Uh, yes, R.I.P. But also that that is, I actually enjoy that one. Like the further I get from that one, the more I enjoy it. I think because I remember you saying it the first time, and I was a little bit thrown off by it. But I do like that one. Uh, what what is your other one? I might actually have question. to issue an apology for that at some point. Um, <laughs> the, the other one is the, uh, the, the pitcher did a, did a mats, the, the, the pitcher, Steven matched it up. Oh no. And, and this is very funny. We, we realized something, well, you realized something, uh, yeah. after looking at some leaderboards, uh, this is a very fitting thing. Sorry, Steven Matz. I, I um, came up with that just thinking of pitchers who are likely to have the bases loaded against them and after coming up with Steven Matz, I went and looked at the league whip leaderboards, and it does, in fact, turn out that Steven Matz leads the league with the worst whip for qualified pitchers. So I was, I was pretty, I was on the ball there. I like that one. I do like that a lot. Uh, okay, are you, I'm, this is mostly just an excuse for me, just like waiting to, so I can say mine. Can I say mine now? Please, please do. Okay, so as we all know, the bases have gotten bigger. Am I right? Bases have gotten uh, three, bigger. They, they've gotten bigger, as we all know. Uh, they kind of look like big old pillows. So mine was that the pillows are stuffed, and then in parentheses, when you want someone to hit a grand slam, and now it's time to tuck the boys in. <laughs> and I think that was a pretty good one. I love how proud you are of it. It's really good. <laughs> I think it's really good. We... I. Starting to call the bases pillows should enter, like, the, you know, the baseball world now that they are so big. I do like that. 
It's almost also a throwback to our good friend Mikey Ahedo's old podcast, Clubhouse Naptime. Perfect. Love it. There, we got our, I can cross that off one second. Obligatory Mikey Ahedo <laughs> reference. Done. All right. Okay, now let's get into the actual. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Full factual deep dives here. Uh, we did recycle some of them from last week slightly, so there's going to be some new info that we added to them. Uh, Schwebzy. Let's talk about some pictures that are now out of technically out of the realm of who we're allowed to talk about, but we wanted to cover since we didn't get to last week. So let's start with you. Yeah. Talking about Josiah Gray. The the side effect of using the person I wanted to talk about last week is that now Josiah Gray is rostered in twenty four percent of leagues, not the eight that he was this time last week. And that's because he had yet another fantastic start against the Pirates. Uh, the reason I wanted to write about Gray in the first place is because uh, it, it's like a form of therapy after Josiah Gray absolutely dominated the New York Mets. And after he made the Mets offense look like the Nats offense, I, I now need to I needed to convince myself that Josiah Gray is actually really good and my the, the Mets aren't really bad. I needed to make myself <laughs> feel better. A uh, quick trivia question that I, I gave Jordan. Uh, last year, Josiah Gray threw about a thousand four seam fastballs. He threw them like thirty nine percent of the time, and he gave up twenty four home runs on those thousand four seamers. The year before that, he threw about six hundred and twenty five four seam fastballs. He threw them about fifty two percent of the time, and he gave up twelve home runs on them. All in all, over the past couple of years, he was giving up home runs on about two percent of the four seamers that he threw which is a lot. 2% doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Roughly uh, one home run every 54 seamers. Uh, a, a lot of pitchers will, you know, routinely throw 54 seamers in a start, so that's like, you know, a, a home run per start on just that pitch. This year, Josiah Gray has thrown his four-seamer a career low 30% of the time, and so far he's thrown 178 four-seamers. So you figure with those prior numbers, he'd have given up a few taters already, like figure three or four home runs on the pitch. Folks, he has given up zero home runs on the four-seamer so far this year. He has also upped his four-seamer whiff rate from 17% last year to 30% this year. That's going from like average to elite. That 30% is among the best in the league. Among starting pitchers who qualify for this, the only starting pitchers who get a better rate of whiffs on their four-seamer are Shohei Otani, Luis Castillo, Zach Wheeler, Jacob deGrom, George Kirby, Spencer Strider, and weirdly, Taiwan Walker. 
I, I don't understand how Walker wound up on that list. He doesn't that's, really have that's such a weird one. Yeah, like I don't think of him as a good four seam guy. But anyway, uh, on top of getting whiffs on four seamers, the, o- the the only guys that I just mentioned who are also allowing a better ex woba on the pitch, like allowing poorer contact or better contact, I guess. Degrom, Castillo, and Kirby. And this is a lot of words and numbers and names just to say that what was formerly Josiah Gray's biggest weakness has become a strength. And this that, that was the thing. We've been saying this for literally years now. Josiah Gray would be so good if only his fastball wasn't so bad or if only he would throw his fastball less. Well, he is throwing his fastball less and it is suddenly good. I, probably as a result of throwing it less and making it more of a, a surprise pitch than his you know, predominant pitch. And the reason that it's exciting that his fastball is good now is because his other pitches are generally pretty dope. His slider allowed a 197 ex-woba in 2021, a 220 ex-woba in 2022, and so far this year, it's allowed a 233 ex-woba. On top of getting a lot of whiffs, it also generates really weak contact. It's really, it does it all. It's a dope pitch that, honestly, I'm, I'm not really going to talk about that much because it's like a constant in his repertoire. It's always been good. It continues to be good. And, you know, it just kind of is. The one thing worth mentioning about it is that he's throwing it at a career-high rate while, you know, it continues to be dope. An interesting wrinkle to his repertoire this year is that he's broken out a cutter to mixed results. With what I've said previously, you might think that he was throwing his fastball less and his slider more, and while that's true a little bit, it's not like a direct swap. Where the fastballs, the four-seamer fastballs have gone is to cutter usage, not to his slider as much. Now, the cutter has been a little bit hit or miss so far. It's had its good and bad games. Uh, Notably, he gave up two home runs on the pitch to the Braves in in the uh, first start of the season. But since then, it's really, it's been more hit than miss. It's been an effective part of his repertoire. I, I was watching the game that he started against the Mets and the cutter did some work. Now, I mentioned that his, that start against the Braves was a little bit of a struggle. Josiah Gray's had a pretty rough schedule so far this year, which I don't really think people are taking into account when looking at him. Listen to this. So far, Gray has faced Atlanta, at Colorado, uh, at Los Angeles Angels, the Mets, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. Those are the 5th, 6th, 7th, ninth, and 13th best offenses this year for runs scored. And the most uh, Colorado is definitely not one of those, but Colorado does have the most treacherous ballpark in baseball. He literally has not had a layup yet. He has not had one easy assignment so far. And while the whip is a bit lacking, he's put together five straight good-to-great starts, and if you throw out that Atlanta start, he's only given up one home run. He gave up three home runs to Atlanta. I'm inclined to throw that start out because, for my money, the Braves have the scariest offense in baseball, and giving up three home runs to them is really not that big of a deal to me. You know, it would be great if he did do well in that start, but, you know, it's not a deal-breaker that he didn't. The last thing that I'll say about his numbers is that he, like overall, he's well above average when it comes to allowing hard contact, and he's well above average at generating swings and misses. 
He still walks a few too many guys, but in general, he's in a really good place right now, and I'm expecting the good times to continue. It's I, I feel like it's it's almost a meme at this point when we look at pitchers and we're like, oh, the, if he would simply use his worst pitch less and his best pitch more, he'd be good. And like we, we have been screaming about this with Josiah Gray for a while now, and it's fantastic to see him do the thing that seemed so obvious. Like after his first couple of starts, like there were rumbles in like the fantasy world. It's like, is he is is Josiah Gray doing the thing? And it's now I, I feel like it's fully turned into ah like Josiah Gray is doing the thing. I've already added Josiah Gray in a few leagues, and I, I plan to continue running him out there against pretty much any matchup. Except maybe the Braves again. Uh unfortunately. Uh oh no, th- this is this is a, a relic of last week's notes. Uh his next <laughs> <laughs> I, I did get tripped up once, damn it. Uh, his next start is against the Diamondbacks, which is not something that particularly worries me. In fact, uh, that should be good for him because the uh, Diamondbacks park is good at not allowing home runs. And as of last week, the Diamondbacks ranked 20th in WRC plus against righties. I'm very comfortable with that matchup, and I'm likely going to be starting gray wherever I have him. And uh, <laughs> when I was looking at Josiah Gray things, this is a this is consider the deep dive over this has nothing to do with josiah gray uh this just has to do with general fantasy advice so so far this year nine teams have a 114 or better wrc plus against lefties on that list miami oakland baltimore the chicago cubs pittsburgh this is this is just a a friendly reminder that we really this year we really need to pay attention to our matchups because offense is weird pitching is weird in the league this year so we really need to be a little bit more granular with the way we're looking at matchups this year than in previous years i think because even the teams that look like layups this year might not be yeah i think not just beyond like pitchers too like carries carries over to hitters like for me i was looking at what was i ruminating over right before we started it was uh who to take out of my TGFBI lineup for Ezekiel Durant. Oh, yeah, Beatty or Durant. And, like, yeah, and we were trying to figure out if I wanted to start Brett Beatty, who, I mean, he's facing a lefty this weekend, so that means that he might only get two games instead of three, and then Durant very likely to get all the playing time in the world, but he actually has reverse splits. Even though he's facing three lefties and he's a righty, he actually fares better against right-handed pitching. So it was, like, just digging into that stuff and really taking a long, hard think about it is really, really important. and. Even if it ends up being like in, in like those micro situations, like you might make the wrong decision, you should at least be doing that stuff so you know that your process is good, right? Like, so I think that's really good to point out, Schwabzi, because like those are some teams that like just on their face, we think about how bad Oakland has been this year. It's just like very easy to jump to the conclusion that like, oh yeah, they're probably just bad against left-handed pitching. It's like no, they they have been. They have actually been very very good against left-handed pitching. Dude, I so. see Miami right now, and I'm like, start everybody. But apparently, they're yeah. pretty good. They're pretty good against lefties. Yes, they are. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's really good advice, though. And I do really like the uh, the deep dive on Gray, and uh, it it is so nice to actually. Get, and I think the the biggest thing that I love that you pointed out here is uh, this strength of schedule to start the season. Again, no layups throughout those first like what six starts now something like that like that's really excellent and oh man i i I should have had this in front of me but 
last year he gave up something like 40 home runs. It was really a, a stupid total. I do remember that it was a lot. Yeah. And this year it's only four in, in six starts. Like it, it's dramatic the turnaround in, in a much home better run allowance. Pace. Like basically like ha- he's the, like half the pace that he was last year. Yeah. Just, he's, oh, man. It's, it's like night and day. He's throwing the fastball like 10% less than last year and it's making all the difference. Yeah, his his home run per nine is less than half what it was last year. Beautiful. Ugh. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break, and then after that, I'm going to go into my deep dive. All right, and we're back. So I was going to talk about this person, and this is a very hard one because I had started writing this last week. We had to delay the episode until this week, um, and the information that we were rocking with at that point was different than it is now, and I had started writing it, and then I realized while i was researching this person tonight again that there was an announcement today that i will dig into that kind of throws some cold water on this deep dive a bit but there is still reason that i think you should roster this player and i'm going to talk about matt strom so strom is someone that likely should be rostered in most deep leagues at this point uh after the ranger suarez injury uh he found a spot in the phillies rotation uh he technically when I looked at him last week, didn't fall within the threshold of our 20 or less percent rostered just because he squeaked above at 23. But I really wanted to cover Strom because he has completely reinvented himself this year in what I can only call a win for the Phillies pitching development. So I'll likely be doing an article on this soon. Little teaser there. Uh, my deep dive on Strom was brought forth by an exchange that I had with friend of the pod, Mikey Aheto. That's now, here, let me mark that down. Two references of Mikey on the pod. And uh, Lance Brzezowski of uh, Marquee, which is the Chicago Sports Network television, um, regarding the change in how Strom's curveball was moving this year compared to last year. So the pitch had traded about four and a half inches of vertical movement for four and a half inches of horizontal movement. So it was moving left to right more than uh, up and down. Uh, giving it more of like the sweeper shape. Uh, in turn, the pitch went from a 25.4% CSW last year to a nearly 41% CSW so far this year, and the XWOBA on the pitch dropped by more than 50% from 280 all the way down to 136, which is incredible. Um, when I tweeted about this change for Strom and how it was affecting his arsenal this year, Mikey and I started speculating on whether it was a change in grip or maybe how he was cueing the pitch out of his hand on release. Uh, luckily, Lance jumped in at that point and was there to save the day, and he had an excellent photo of Strom mid-delivery using what is now the notorious two-seam grip that's been sweeping the league. Ah, uh, uh. uh, got him. Uh, so the sweeper grip, it's a two-seam grip. Um, we also got some confirmation on this change not long after that from at MLB Pitch Class on Twitter, uh, which is just an MLB Pitch Classification account. Uh, they confirmed that this curveball was classified that as it was classified on savant at the time was actually a new slider and that change was finally reflected on his baseball savant page in the past week so to recap he completely reinvented his repertoire so he was throwing a fastball sinker curveball slider and change up last year now he is throwing a fastball a cutter a sinker and a slider he completely got rid of the change up and then the curveball also went out the window so again like i said i'm planning on writing an article on this uh, so I don't want to spoil the whole thing on the pod, but suffice to say, the changes that Strom made to his repertoire aren't the only exciting things happening here that make me optimistic. 
His location on the pitches has improved immensely from 2022, and although he did lose a little bit of velo on his fastballs, the spin rate on both of them spiked, allowing them to fight gravity harder, and they have really, really good spin efficiency, so that's just going to be a plus right there. Uh, now comes the really unfortunate time where I have to pour a bunch of cold water on this. With the return of Ranger Suarez imminent, uh, Phillies manager Rob Thompson announced literally at like, news came out at like 1 p.m. today, uh, that Strom is going to be the odd man out and the rotation is going to get pushed to the bullpen. Now, this is a correct move in terms of real-life baseball, as Strom hasn't been adequately stretched out as a, as a starter because he hasn't pitched more than 50 innings in the past three seasons. It's a huge bummer for those of us who live in fantasy land and have chosen to roster him in our leagues. Um, but I don't want to give up, give up on him yet. I think that based on his excellent performance so far, the wholly underwhelming performances of Bailey Falter and Taiwan Walker, who have just massively ballooning ERAs, and the ever-looming possibility that an injury bug could strike the Phillies' rotation... Strom is a really, really excellent stash, and at the very least is bound to nab a few spot starts as the season progresses. So for that reason, I'm still absolutely going to buy low right now after this news came out and nab him wherever I can. Yeah, I, I don't think Bailey Falter is better than this iteration of Matt Strom. I don't think Taiwan Walker is. Either. Yeah, but before this year, I would have said Falter was better, but Strom has made some really, really good changes. Yeah, everything, everything just with how he is deploying his repertoire. The other, the other thing, too, is that his fastball, his four-seam, was, like, very one-dimensional last year. He's, like, doing a good job elevating it, and he did elevate it somewhat last year, but it was just kind of, like, at the top of the zone. Now it's working a lot more around the edges of the zone as well, so he's locating it in different spots depending on who he's throwing to. I don't know. There, there's so many different changes that I'm going to dive into when I write this article, or finish writing the article, I should say. I do have it started. But it's uh, it's all very, very exciting. And I think that inevitably, if there's a week where maybe they have like a double header, he's going to be the guy that gets queued up to be the person who starts one of the games in that double header, right? Like he he's going to be getting spot starts throughout the year. And when he's not doing that, he's probably going to pitch bulk relief innings. And this is the type of person that if he's in those situations, there's a chance that he ends up stealing a few wins here and there too. So I'm yeah, I'm I'm all over Strom. I really, really like the changes that he's made. When you say that you have the article started already, I just picture like the SpongeBob meme where it's like a blank piece of paper with the word the written at the top very in very fancy font. Oh, it is. That's essentially what it no, it's not that. I actually have a whole bunch of stuff pulled for it, but um that's what it feels like in my brain. <laughs> that's uh, I'm, essentially I'm what it looks like to me. Your your articles are are always uh, great. Uh, they're they're few and far between, but I do love every every one that you drop. I will say that I adamantly believe I, we're we're just I was going to say a bad word. Um, <laughs> we're we're just sitting here complimenting each other to death. Uh, but I will say uh, that the depth that you go into just strictly in the notes for our podcasts are like better than like eighty five percent of the articles that I read. Oh, stop. and I wish you would. I wish you would. I wish you would just freaking write an article you. and post something i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna peer pressure you on the podcast into Absolutely doing an article not. on something god you're the worst uh all right now you know you know, my... you know what you know you know what readers li- listeners if you want me to write an article dro- <laughs> drop us a line at the mailbag or the uh the twitter account if please if, blow if, up shrubsy please blow up shrubsy's twitter 
I'm going to, we're going to post a tweet. Actually, I'm going to post a tweet from the In the Deep Twitter account. If you can go there and like that tweet, if that tweet gets, let's say, 100 likes, Shrubsy has to write an article. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. Does that sound cool? Okay, that's sick. that's cool. That's fine. Let's do it. All right, we're gonna get the we're gonna get the picture list retweet for that one. <laughs> it's gonna go banana pancakes immediately. You're gonna have to write an article. It's gonna be great. Uh, all right. Now that I'm done with my deep dive here, let's take a quick break and then we'll get back to our league wide roundup. All right, we're back. So, Shubzy, league wide roundup time. Let's start in the NL East. Uh. I believe Eddie Rosario was in our notes from last week, but he has cleared the threshold at this point. Like, has he really? Talk. I think he has, yeah. So we're not going to talk about him. We're actually going to skip down to Miami. Uh, no, Rosar- Rosario is at 3%. Uh, but oh, he is? I, I, just, oh, I just don't really think his production demands adding right now. He's like His hot streaks are just not nearly long enough to, to demand rostering. He used to be yeah. a really streaky hitter that the, the peaks were, were worth holding on to him all year long. Now I just don't think it, it, that they're happening with enough frequency or with high enough peaks to uh, to demand rostering, I don't think. Fair enough. Yeah, I know that he had a good week leading up to our episode prep last week and then kind of fell off again. So fair enough. Uh, don't go chasing waterfalls, as they say. Um, all right, or let's go hitters to with poor eyesight. Hey. What? Eddie Rosario and uh, who's another uh, Tommy Pham take take exception to that. Um, if they if they take a swing at me, I like my chances. Um, terrible. Well, maybe not uh, Tommy Pham. God, uh, I'm not touching that. All right, let's go to Miami. <laughs> let's talk about Braxton Garrett. So I dropped him like an absolute dope in TGFBI, and then Trevor Rogers got hurt. Uh, he had a start that was very very rough uh, this past week against uh, Atlanta. Yeah, that was a nightmare. But but he is going to continue to get plenty of run for the time being, and he has a two-start week lined up against Arizona, who is, I believe, in the bottom half of the league in terms of WRC Plus against left-handed pitching. And then there was another team that was a average-ish start. So if you have, like, a weekly league, I would not mind streaming Braxton Garrett for his two-start week coming up. I really actually kind of like that a lot. No, I, I very literally have uh, a waiver claim in on Braxton Garrett right now because someone in one of my leagues rage dropped him after his start against Atlanta today, which I don't, it was a brutal start. It was really, really bad. But as I said earlier, I wouldn't start most pitchers against Atlanta and you know, at, especially against lefties. Atlanta has a 139 team WRC plus against lefties. That is so high. Oof. The only yeah. team doing better is the Rays, who are at 162, which is just stupid. That's not that's not real. I don't believe that. Absurd. The Tampa uh, Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays have a team 935 OPS against lefties. Their WRC plus is like 160 something. It's a, it's yeah. really dumb. It's this, really dumb. That's so dumb. Ugh, just absolutely busted. They're amazing. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about uh, with obviously El Garcia going down with an injury. <laughs> Is Sanchez has seen more run. Uh, Shrubs, do you have anything on Sanchez? Yeah, I mean, he is a, a I mean, this is kind of a, a year of post high prospects, right? We're going to talk about a few of them today. Yeah. And we're, we're kind of gazing wistfully at the missed opportunity to add guys like Josh Lowe and uh, Jaron Duran for, for some of us. Oh. Uh, but, <laughs> but 
Uh, you know, we actually have a dynasty league where you and I we we rostered both Duran and Lowe, and at the start of the year, before either of these guys got any run, I had to make the call like which one do I drop, and I dropped I Lowe. I dropped Lowe, and Lowe had like his ridiculous first month, and I was like, no. And then yeah. Duran, then Duran came up, and he's red hot, and I'm like, okay, maybe not so bad. But I digress. It could uh, certainly be worse. It could, it could be worse. Be worse. Uh, Jesus Sanchez has started in what is this four five six of the last eight games the only two games that he sat were against lefties so it looks like he is a strong side platoon player for the marlins right now but that you know strong side is a good place to be the marlins have only faced like seven lefties this whole year that they uh i lefties are just you know kind of uncommon compared to righties so that's why we call it a strong side huh uh, then, you, you, what, what, then, then what? Do, what does the thing from Remember the Titans mean? No, I, I just love when, when you, uh, you're, you're trying to fill airtime and you wind up just saying completely inane things. That's totally not what just happened there, but I do love that when that happens. No, Jesus Sanchez has had a really strong week. He, the power has never been in question. Uh, it, the question has always been, you know, the strikeouts. If he can get the strikeouts under control, and so far. And he's at about 30% in the last two weeks, which is, it's not great, but it's doable. You know, that the, if you have massive power and you strike out 30% of the time, like you, you can still get by in, in, uh, in today's baseball. Love it. All right. Uh, let's go to your beloved Mets, Schwebzy. Not a lot to talk about here in the sub 20% realm uh francisco alvarez is kind of interesting and he's rostered in eight percent of leagues but something that we've mentioned here before is that catcher is surprisingly deep this year like i i feel like every other player that i notice who's having a strong couple of weeks winds up being a catcher whether it's i don't know gabriel moreno or uh danny jansen or you know francisco alvarez uh I like Alvarez being being a homer. He's got the prospect pedigree. He's looked good lately, but he hasn't really had a big add me stretch or add me moment. He did have a big game against the Braves in the last game of their series this week. He uh, had a couple hits and a double and lo- looked generally really good at the plate. But I just I just don't know if he's a better option than the tons of interesting catchers out there like you know Bethencourt, Jansen, etc. Pretty much in the same boat um, on Alvarez. Let's move to the Phillies. I think the only thing that I really want to do is just reiterate that I think Matt Strom's a good ad. Uh, I don't think there's anything else particularly of interest uh, with the Phillies. Um, but I want to move to the end of the NL East here and talk about the Nationals. There's a handful of players here that are very interesting that are still under-rostered. Um, C.J. Abrams' average has been trending upwards. The playing time is there downside is that he's at the back end of the batting order um also it's not really a bad look if you want a middle infielder with regular at bats he's going to be having them uh for the foreseeable future and i think that the average should be fine throw in a few stolen bases we'll take that um kind of in the same boat victor robles uh average over the past few weeks has been really really solid and he's going to have the ability to continue stealing those bases which is great uh, he's also been walking a bit, which is really nice, too. So I think that specifically in OBP leagues more so, uh, Robles also adds some decent value, more so than C.J. Abrams, but both are 
pretty interesting. Um, another one that's really, really good for OBP leagues is Alex Call. Uh, just super underappreciated. Uh, despite a low average, he's still got a really, really high OBP, like north of free, 350. Um, it's really a shame that he doesn't play for a better offense. Uh, but there's always going to be an upside of him scoring runs due to how often he gets on, plus his spot in the lineup. So love that. Um, and I think that's pretty much it for the Nationals. Um, you know, Alex Call has like 90th percentile sprint speed. It would be too. so. He would, he would be so much more intriguing if he actually used it and ran. I think he had a stolen base or two in the past week, maybe. He's got three home runs and two stolen bases on the year. I it's he he feels like a poor man's Brandon Nimmo. Yeah. Like, and, and, but he doesn't he doesn't even have Nimmo's power, so you can't even point to a, a hopeful power breakout like you can with Nimmo. Man has to make everything about the New York Mets. I do. No, it's just like when yeah. I I'm. I'm trying to think of like high high OBP fast players, and I'm thinking of like Newt Bar and Nimmo, but both both Newt and Nimmo have like power upside that Call does not have. Yeah, although Call did just hit a walk off home run. He did. He's, he's got he he's got three dingers. The uh, the power metrics don't look good. I'll say like the max exit velo, no, the, the not hard hit numbers. Not at all. I did dig into that, and it's yeah. The, the home runs are not going to be plentiful. He might hit double digits, maybe by the end of the year. Um, obviously, the pace that he's on now is pretty good, but I, yeah, yeah. But fun fact: the Nationals strike out less than any other team in baseball. They have a they lot. They have a lot of these high contact slapdick types. Yeah, and while that is maybe okay for the current, I'm, is I I do wonder if there's teams like that that are going to overperform compared. To how they would have performed uh, against the shift. Yeah, I, we'll find out as the year goes on. Uh, all right, let's move to the NL Central. Let's talk about the Cubs a little bit here. Uh, Trubs, you put down Miguel Amaya. Yeah, uh, th- this is a this is a placeholder for for my my dear sweet Jan Gomes, who is uh, kind of in and out of maybe being on. Oh no, he has he is officially on the concussion IL now. Mm. So. Uh, one of my favorite two catcher targets is now out for a little while. His replacement is Miguel Amaya, who is a longtime prospect for the Chicago Cubs, and he is finally, finally getting his chance. He's uh, started off. I, I, I'm pretty sure he had a good game today. I really, I should have looked this up. But uh, in the minors this year, he is putting up a you know a, a casual 185 WRC plus in in Double A. So you know. If you like that sort of thing out of your catcher, you know you might want to take a flyer on Miguel Amaya. He has been striking out thirty percent of the time, which is a, a lot more than you want in Double A for a twenty-four year old. But you know it's not the worst gamble if you're desperate for that second catcher spot. Dig it. Uh, I want to bring up Trey Mancini. Uh, he started the season rough, but. He's had a 366 average over the last two weeks, and that's bumped his season-long line to 268, which is awesome after the terribly slow start that he had. He also has two homers during that period, so that's encouraging. Um, seems like he's on the up-and-up. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Trey Mancini, I feel like, probably should be way more rostered than he is. Uh, obviously, like first base isn't necessarily the position of most need for a lot of teams unless you're in a very deep league and you have like an additional corner infield spot but i think he's a good filler for sure um but yeah 
Dude, what happened to Hayden Wesneski's swings and misses? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I mean, he's got a he's got a really good stream coming up uh, on Sunday because Miami, although they do hit lefties very well, they do not hit righties especially well. I don't believe. Um, he's got another start later next week against Minnesota that I'm not necessarily keen on. But like, if you look at Wesneski's season line, like it was really just that one start against Seattle where he barely made it past an inning that killed his season long ratios. Like other than that, his season has been like fine. Yeah. The problem is just that he he has a 13.8% strikeout rate right now. Yeah. That is so low. That's incredibly low. He's not who he was last year. That is for sure. There's he is not, he's not the person last year that made everyone so excited about him during draft season as like a late round pick. Yeah. Like the sweeper is still fun, but his fastball is fooling no one. Yeah. I, I think I, I think I'm out on Wesneski until he figures something out with, with his with his fastballs, with his non slider stuff. Yeah. Not particularly interested either. Um I think that I, I will say if if you have a, an ability to pick him up before Sunday and stream him against Miami, I would probably do that. I no way against Minnesota. And then I don't know what the schedule looks like ahead of that, but yeah, it's probably a one and done for me if I was going to take him and stream him anywhere. Um yeah, all right, let's go to Milwaukee, my favorite team, obviously. Uh, Tyron Taylor is back and playing regularly regularly, excuse me, in right field. Um, Weimer's still in center, so Weimer's still getting playing time there. And then Brian Anderson mainly just at third base at this point. Um, I think that's going to be the general alignment is going to be Taylor in right field, Weimer in center with Yelich in left, uh, Brian Anderson at third base pretty much exclusively moving forward. Uh, obviously, you have Luis Arias coming back. He, they're they're going to have to find a spot for him to play at some point, so there could be some shuffling around uh, in that infield with uh, Arias occasionally playing second base, perhaps, and spelling um, Bryce Terang, uh, or spell, or he could be spelling um, Brian Anderson at third base. But I think there's going to be kind of a, a rotating door between those three, so I think that's worth keeping in mind as well. But yes, Tyrone Taylor should be getting pretty much full-time playing time in right field moving forward, uh, and he's going to be very, very under-rostered and is probably going to hit the ball better than Joey Weimer, which makes me sad to say, but yeah. Well, moving on to the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, I, I am now sad. Uh, Last uh, last episode that we recorded, I, I said that I thought that Pittsburgh was going to be one of those teams this year that just provided a wealth of content for us because they would give us a lot of players to talk about. But turns out, uh, you guys are too savvy, and you're all picking up all the Pirates, and now they're all rostered in more than 20% of leagues. Uh, we can't talk about Kutch anymore. We can't talk about Sawinski. No Connor Joe, no Rowanti Contreras, no Johan Oviedo, no Vince Velasquez. You guys are killing me. You, you, you're, you're all way too smart, and you're making my job harder. But one guy who is still rostered in under 20% of leagues is uh, Jihuan Bay. Actually, no, I'm lying. That's, that's a relic from last week. He's at 27% too. But I am going to take this opportunity. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take an opportunity to say that I actually do not like Jihuan Bay that much. Um, this is he he is hitting over his head right now uh and he he's not super tall so that's not that high um 
he uh he's got a ton of steals and that's all he's going to be good for as the year goes on i believe uh i i do not think he has a standout tool at the plate but if you do need steals he is running with reckless abandon right now and i don't really expect that to change we say here all the time that steals are are you know half about skill half about intent and he certainly has the intent in spades and and the skill to uh to get it done when he does decide to run so yeah, if you need steals, go for Bay. If you don't need steals, look elsewhere. Perfect. All right, let's go to the NL West now. Uh, starting in Arizona with Gabriel Moreno or Mourinho, excuse me. I'm actually I'm actually not sure if the if the Enya is is there. I just it's oh a, no, it's, it is Moreno. It is Moreno. It's it's for it's force of habit for me because of uh oh god who's the who's the other who who is the Mourinho that I'm thinking of. I know, God. I know. I am just. I am Joseph Mourinho. Hmm. I wonder who. Who am I thinking of? And anyway, uh, Mourinho is is one of those many two catcher options that has been good lately. He's got insane prospect pedigree. He was like a top five prospect for some outlets. He was. Uh, I, I recall some list last year where he was higher than Francisco Alvarez, and his carrying tool is his bat to ball skills. I don't know if the power is going to be there, especially in that ballpark, which uh, he plays in Arizona now. That it suppresses power a bit, especially to center. So yeah, I mean, if you need batting average out of the catcher spot, which is kind of an uncommon combination, then Moreno might be a good place to look. All right, let's go to Colorado and the return of someone who I'm very happy to see come back into my TGFBI lineup, considering how shallow my outfield was uh, with Randall Grichuk. Dude, I'm so mad at like I I was talking to you about this earlier while we were prepping. Yeah. I ca- I came into this season just griping about how shallow outfield is and now I feel like in every league I have too many outfielders this, and in- that includes two leagues where I was stashing Randall Grichuk. So now I have nowhere to put him. You overcompensated. I think that's, that's what, happened. what happened. I think so. That's all right though. Could be worse. Too much talent you, is not you, a bad did, thing. Did you did you doomsday prep outfielders? Is that essentially what occurred? I, I have a lot of canned, like, Alex say, Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> Just hanging on to him like cans of, like cans of refried beans. <laughs> but yeah, I, no, Grichik is a... I, what is there to say? Grichik is a good hitter. He plays in Colorado. It, that's it. There's nothing more needs to be said, really. Fair enough. Right. He's being uh, rust. He's at, like, 3% owned, I think. That's, like, so low for him. Very, very low. Uh yeah, I mean, getting to play half your games in Colorado seems great. Hitting, he's not going to hit five hundred for the year, but I mean, or the average is going to be better than it. The, his batting average is very likely going to be better than league average. Yeah, no, so, I, 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 I like Grichuk. I think if if he's out there and you're in need of an outfielder, you you should look his way. All right, let's go to the Dodgers and uh, Schwebzy, someone that you kind of had a win on. By picking him up last week, or two weeks it, ago at this point, when did you pick him up? It, it was last week. Okay. Would, yeah. would you believe that Chris Taylor of the Dodgers is hitting three oh three over the last two weeks? It in that time frame, he has struck out forty three percent of the time and still is hitting three oh three. I call I call that the Garrett Mitchell. Uh, he also has a dinger and a few steals in that time frame. Really, nothing, nothing for the Garrett Mitchell snipe. Nothing, huh? 
You just you're just not going to take. I was too busy trying to think of how I, I was too busy trying to think of how I could work uh, a reference to a 303 song into a Chris Taylor uh, bit at the end of your little spiel because I wanted to like fit in like a reference to this band that I haven't listened to since 2011. Has anyone? <laughs> no. Um. Anyways, continue. but yeah, uh, Chris Taylor is still impacting the ball really well when he does imp- when he does make contact with it he's striking out too much but the dodgers have shown that they simply do not care if their players strike out a lot i'm looking at you trace thompson and joey gallo and cody bellinger and you know chris taylor uh, how can if, you be looking at all of them at one time i don't I, understand. I i can do that thing where my my eyes move independently of each other you're a freak yes uh i'm sorry <laughs> you're just mad at the Garrett Mitchell thing still I, I wasn't even paying attention I was too busy trying to make a joke of my own uh, uh, but yeah Chris Taylor has I, I, so I started this TGFBI year with O'Neill Cruz as my shortstop and when O'Neill Cruz went down that meant Elvis Andrus was my sh- starting shortstop <laughs> which did not go well so uh, in the last week Chris Taylor's been a godsend and in general his X stats are much better than his actual stats because he impacts the ball so well even his ridiculous amount of strikeouts aren't able to uh, hold hold back you know his his x stats so i i took a chance because uh yeah i was hoping that he could regress to what what his uh ball impacting skills suggested and so far so good i don't think he's gonna hit 303 for the year but can he get up to like 230 240 i think so he did that. I mean, with that strikeout rate, the fact that he gives you anything in that realm that is even passable is just cake. And he's running. Like, yeah. Like who, who would have oh, guessed that? I, I was hope I was hoping for two hundred and a few home runs, and I got stolen 200? bases and batting average. I was yeah, I was hoping for a two hundred batting average because he he's below that for the year. And I and I was hoping for some power out of him, and what I got was batting average and stolen bases. I was looking for I was looking for a 2003 Chevy Cavalier, <laughs> and I got a 2012 Chevy Cruze. This is your this is your your daily uh, your weekly edition of ba- uh, baseball is stupid, and none of us have any idea what we're doing. All guessing game, maybe. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, we want to also talk about Bruce Gratterall before moving on. Uh, I, man, it seems like he's splitting time uh, in terms of saves with uh, Evan Phillips. Yeah, this is basically the a, a gamble that Evan Phillips is too good to be a capital C closer and will be deployed in the smart way, which is whenever, you know, whenever the best closer, the best reliever in your bullpen should be deployed. And that means there should be some saves to go around for Brusdar Gratterall. Now, Gratterall did just blow a save, which is not ideal, but he does seem to be the next man up after Phillips if, you know, the the presumptive closer does happen to pitch in the seventh or eighth inning. Yeah. Uh, I think we talked about Gratterall as potential closer last year. I can't remember if it was you or I. We did bring that up as like him being like one of the in terms of just results, uh, being one of the better relievers in that bullpen. I don't think I'll ever roster him myself 
because coward. I no, it, it's the it's the it, <laughs> no, it's the fact that his production never matches what it seems like it should. Like he he's got like the most electric arm ever, and he just uses it to throw bowling ball sinkers that get hit too much. True. Like I just I, I want him to just like strike someone out, just anyone ever. Well, he's like probably the least amount of extension of any pitcher in the league. That's not me knowing that and looking it up. I just assume that's the case, right? Yeah, because, because like, he he just all of his uh like like all all of his power in his uh delivery comes from just like pure rotational force. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would be fine rostering him, uh, mostly just because I love chasing saves, but. I can understand why just just due to the the um oh my gosh I can't think of the word the composition of like what he is as a pitcher. Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I could see wanting to fade him. So really, but the important thing is what the Dodgers do with him, not what I think about him. Correct. Yes, but uh, all right, let's go to the Padres and talk about Hasyong Kim here. Uh, I think he's kind of being slept on a bit because Tatis is back now. Uh, but. He's still playing regularly, and with the offensive composition around him getting better and his solid on-base ability, I think he's going to have opportunities to score runs and steal bases. Um, I haven't really checked. Did that series that they played in Mexico City kind of wake that offense up? Because I know uh, like a lot of the guys that were like the more top-end folks, aside from Xander Bogarts, in that lineup were struggling kind of hard. And well, I don't know if there's been any sort of turnaround at all, at all with them. We we had strong weeks from Matt Carpenter, from Nelson Cruz. Okay. I, I think Tatis and Machado both hit a a, a dinger or two. It, it it definitely wasn't a quiet week for that offense. Good. Okay, so that's also encouraging too that other stuff is happening around him that might allow him to accrue some runs and uh, RBI as well. So uh, the other person that we want to cover is Nick Martinez. Uh, he moved to the pen, but as Schwebzy pointed out to me before the podcast still just awesome in pretty much every role that they've give, they've given him he's excelled yeah Excuse me. Since, since being moved out of the rotation when joe musgrove got healthy nick martinez has pitched in three games uh three multi-inning appearances totaling seven innings he has struck out nine batters and he has given up one run with six base runners he has been pretty awesome and this dates back to last year last year he pitched out of the bullpen too for for a time and he's pretty much always been at least good at whatever they've had him do hasn't really gotten close to great but he's if you need a bulk bullpen arm and if you need a sparp which there aren't nearly enough of this year i I feel like there there are not nearly as many as there were last year uh he's going to be a good one once he gets that relief pitcher designation absolutely um we love Nick Martinez on this podcast. And like you, I God, I always forget about Sparps. I think that's one thing where I fall short is I don't try to identify for, like for people that have those types of leagues where you can start, uh, relief pitchers, basically put starting pitchers quote unquote in relief pitcher roles like that. Uh, I always forget to look for that. Uh, so that's kind of a note for myself moving forward to maybe keep an eye on that stuff to maybe find, find some value for people. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the AL East. Uh, talk about the Baltimore Orioles. The only one that I want to talk about here is Yanir Cano. Uh, 
Uh, this is just this year's pop-up arm in the Baltimore bullpen. He's had just an absolutely absurd start to the season, and he finally had a runner get on base after like 9.1 innings this year. And that's not just like he, he didn't give up a hit. He didn't walk anyone either. There was no one that got on due to error or anything like that. It took over a full game for him to allow a base runner. Um, he's been fantastic so he's got a bowling ball sinker that comes in at 95 on average but the changeup that he throws is the most disgusting offering that he has it comes in at 90 miles an hour and it has above league average vertical and horizontal movement a 90 mile an hour changeup with above league average vertical and horizontal movement for a changeup that is absurd that is a unicorn pitch um i don't say this lightly as a brewers fan but I genuinely think that rivals Devin Williams' airbender for the most disgusting changeup in the league. Like, that's how gross that pitch is. Um, on top of that, you also have to contend with an 87-mile-an-hour slider with above-average movement. So, like, just everything needs to be a concern for a hitter at the plate. It's He's got a very disgusting repertoire, and I think that this is the type of guy, like, he's been getting mostly, like, bulk relief appearances, so two innings or more um he's gotten himself a save in the past couple weeks um if anything happens at the back end of that bullpen for whatever reason he could be in line for a lot more high leverage situations so i really like him and even if he doesn't get that the ratios are going to be really excellent so uh yenir kano still at exactly 20 percent roster ship is someone that i want to really really highlight here yeah i would have thought that like i don't know like brian baker or the or this year's acquisition, who's also being awesome, Danny Colombe. Colombe? Colombe? I'm Columbe? probably saying it wrong. Colombe? Sure. Uh, both of them have been awesome out of the bullpen. The Orioles are just doing really great work with their bullpen arms right now. Uh, I would have thought that Baker would have been the guy, but Cano has leapfrogged everybody, and when Felix Bautista wasn't available the other day, he got the save. And Bautista, when healthy and, and right, is maybe the most unhittable reliever in baseball, but he hasn't been quite right lately. So if he does falter, if if he has to take some time off for whatever reason, then you're going to want to roster Cano. Uh, Danny, uh, it's actually Kulam. Kulam. Uh, sorry, Danny. All of us, wrong on all counts. Uh, so bad. Uh, anyways... Let's uh, move to Boston and talk about uh, someone that Tropes you kind of teased earlier in the episode, uh, Jaron Duran. Uh, he was three for five with two steals and an RBI today. Uh, he's been contributing to all five categories over the past two weeks. He's got two home runs, 10 runs scored, 11 RBI, three stolen bases, and his average is over 400. And I'm still just so salty that I didn't win him in TGFBI. Ah, big sad. Dude, he's been he's been a positive defensively so far. Yep. And I I remember last year thinking like this guy is just not good at baseball. Like there's I I other than running fast, there was not a single facet of the game that I was looking at and I was like this guy's good at that. It was but, night and day. It's night yeah, and day. It's unreal the the complete about face he's made. All right, let's go to the Yankees next. Uh Shubs, you you had a few people that you wanted to highlight here. Yeah. Uh it looks like Clay Holmes is faltering to the point that a an hierarchy change in the bullpen might be happening. And if that does happen, 
it feels like the guy that you want to roster is Michael King, who is not is barely rostered. And Michael King might be the kind of arm similar to Evan Phillips, who is too valuable to lock into the closer role. And if that does wind up being the case, then the other guy that I want to be rostering from that bullpen, as as I've said repeatedly this year, is Ron Marinaccio. They've both been fantastic this year. Michael King has a history of being awesome. Marinaccio has an incredible changeup, though not quite Cano-esque. Uh, these are both guys that, if I'm desperate for saves in AL only, or or just particularly deep leagues or save holds, that I would be trying to roster. I, I've I've been screaming it all year, and that nothing's changed other than uh, Clay Holmes not looking good. And then uh, in the rotation, there's Clark Schmidt, who has done a lot of really good things and a lot of really bad things. In his last three starts, he's thrown 15 innings. He has struck out 20 batters in 15 innings, and he's given up a three ERA, but also way too many base runners. And one of the things that won't show up in the fantasy box score is that he's also given up five unearned runs in that time frame, which would make that ERA look a lot less rosy if those counted. So I like Schmidt as a stash. I think he's got potential, but I'm probably not running him out there right now against anything but like the worst offenses. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I think the strikeout upside is there, obviously, as we know. We saw it in spring training that he was looking a lot better. Um, for me, it's just like this is like very much for me personally. My ratios right now, especially in TGFBI, like my ERA has ballooned and so has my whip in the past week just due to like terrible performances from Andrew Heaney and Nick Lodolo. I don't need another person of that variety on oh, my hey. squad. Jordan, while yes. we can, while we can, can we can we brag for a second? I would love to brag. Big fan of bragging. So we we talk all the time about this league TGFBI because it's a it's a league that fits with the kind of players we talk about here. It's a it's a league of four hundred and thirty five experts separated into I don't know something like twenty twenty different leagues seven something like that. Yeah, but. Uh, and then there's, you know, you're facing off against your league and then there's an overall component. So your overall component is ranked amongst the 435 people right now. Jordan is in 18th place. Correct. Out of 435 people. And I am in second. So (laughs) you, this is after several years of me being absolutely abysmal in this specific league. So I am just, I, I am, I, my, my little Tykes car, I had to get the tires changed because I'm just wearing them out. I was uh, doing donuts in the front yard. Yeah, I'm in Justin Mason's front yard doing donuts in my little Tykes car. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, we, that, that was just our, our little bit of bragging. So uh, occasionally we know what we're talking about. Sometimes. Sometimes we do. One, one, year, out of, one year out of three, I know what I'm talking about. I will actually take this opportunity to brag myself, too, specifically. Uh, I have the most strikeouts, at least. Well, I did. I don't know if that's true anymore. I should actually check and uh, verify if this is true or not. Um, But as of at least yesterday, I believe it was. Earlier today, I did look. It was earlier today. Uh, I was 
number one in all of TGFBI and strikeouts, and that is because I based my entire draft strategy when it came to starting pitchers around my weighted earned strike rate stat and folks who overperformed in that were being underdrafted, I thought, uh, based on how well they did in that last year. Uh, and that has paid, paid off quite well for me, uh, which I'm very excited about. Um, That's a much better strategy than my blindfold dartboard and gut. So I am currently, yeah, I'm, I am in first in all of TGFBI and strikeouts with 334. The next person is 329. Uh, and they are a decent bit lower than me on the, uh, on the old leaderboard. So, yeah, I mean, I got a lot going for me uh, aside from my ERA and whip right now, which are both just absurdly high. Andrew Heaney, uh, Hive, rise up. Uh, <laughs> TGFBI team whip hive don't rise anymore please (laughs) um yes all right let's go to the last actually go ahead i actually uh i've been uh leapfrog i've been going back and forth with michael schneider for having the best pitching staff among all 435 teams uh just overall like all year long that's your your boy apparently your boys know they're pitching a little bit only a little bit a little bit i know i know i'm up there somewhere i'm not too far down the list on pitching but um all right, let's go to what, what? Oh, we have to do the last. Uh, yeah, the last team in the AL East, and that is the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Luke Rayleigh. Naturally, because I dropped him from my TGFBI squad due to the fact that he was putting a drain on my batting average and wasn't playing as much as I would like. Uh, he responded by hitting, and let me check my notes here real quick. Over the past two weeks, looks like four home runs and hit. Let's see. Yeah, 333. Sorry, excuse excuse me, 292 with three home runs. Or sorry, four home runs and a handful of runs scored and RBI. Um, super, super huge bummer that I dropped him because I've had some out- outfielders on my roster in TGFBI, including Joey Weimer, which makes me very sad, who have underperformed a ton. So uh, Luke Rayleigh, again, playing time, not super consistent even just like he hasn't really played he's a lefty and he hasn't played against every single righty that the rays have faced so this is just the rays deploying particular players on any given day that probably fit the pitching matchup specifically um yeah rays gonna ray. daily, unless it's a daily moves league i would probably avoid rostering him but if you have a daily moves league and you can slot him in absolutely like he has been very very good so far this year um, but yeah, and then, uh, Yanni Chirinos, uh, strikeouts for Chirinos are largely non-existent, uh, but he hasn't really been giving up hits and he should get ample opportunities for starts and long relief appearances beyond that. So I think that wins for Chirinos with the Rays being the best team in the league and having just an absolutely stellar offense are likely. So if you need wins, uh, Chirinos is a really, really good bet. So, fun fact about Chirinos, uh, at PitcherList, we, we are using our new PLV metric, and one of the facets of PLV is something called hitter performance, which is what the hitters have done with the pitches they see relative to what they should have done based on how good or bad of a pitch it was. Mm-hmm. And Yanni Chirinos ranks in the 100th percentile for hitter performance which means hitters are doing worse 
than uh, uh, against him than any other pitcher. I, it's it's a little hard to explain. It's 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 wordy, but you know, based on the pitches they see, like you know, figure that if if every pitcher threw a fastball down the middle, like the hitter would do the worst with the one that Yanni Chirinos threw. It's not quite that simple, but that's what it, that's kind of the gist. Uh, so whether that's deception or luck, Chirinos has been getting the most out of the pitches he's throwing. Love it, yeah. And I, I mean, just like any any pitcher for the Rays, really, that's going to be getting starts on a regular basis feels like a fine roster because of how, just how good that offense is. If you can get to five innings pitched, it feels like you're going to have a good shot at getting a win yeah. on any given day. So super down for that. Uh, no one on Toronto that we want to cover, so let's go to the AL Central. We only got a few players here. Uh, Jake Berger. Unfortunately, after talking him up, previously uh the exit velocities looked great he was hitting the ball very very hard uh he's got an oblique injury he's probably going to be out for a good bit so kind of a bummer um major bummer yeah and then uh we're going to go to the minnesota twins as well uh Schwipsy, you wrote down a couple names here bailey ober and nick gordon yeah i've got good news for any nick gordon owners or prospective managers I cut Nick Gordon in a couple of leagues, so he's free to go off, uh, and he has. He As soon as I dropped him in TGFBI, he had a couple home runs that, that very week. So uh, it's probably safe to go pick him up again. That's uh, the, the best kind of analysis, right? Just re- relying purely on, on bad vibes for myself. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I, I do think Nick Gordon was good. He was just going through a bad stretch. And uh, on my teams, personally, he was just a victim of a rock- roster crunch. But one guy that I'm uh, actually excited that could be very good, as opposed to Nick Gordon, who I think is just a, a good roster filler, uh, Bailey Ober is up for the Minnesota Twins with Tyler Malley's month-long absence-ish, maybe more. Uh, Ober, in the immediate near term, gets to see the Cleveland Guardians and San Diego. Now, I don't think that San Diego start is great, but it is at home where where it's a pretty friendly pitcher environment, and uh, so the uh, the San Diego start is actually going to be next week, so it's not a uh, it's not a two start week. But I'm you know I'm fine running over out there for both starts. I have him in a couple of leagues. I'll be running him out there against Cleveland. Love it. All right. Um. Let's see here. Going to was that? Yeah, that was it for the AL Central. Let's go to the AL West here. Talk about Houston a little bit. Uh, I can't actually remember if I put down these names or you did. I know you really, really like Phil Maton, though. Yeah. Uh, Maton is one of those guys who, uh, you just pull up the baseball savant or pitcherless page or whatever, and it's just all red. He's a, a longtime quality reliever who has gone to a team that works wonder with relievers. And, you know, the expected results have followed. Uh, Maton is just one of a number of fantastic arms in the Houston Astros bullpen now, and he's worth an ad if you need a ratio stabilizer and some strikeouts out of an arm that you can rely on. Uh, He's not going to get you saves, I I don't think, unless something really bad happens to Presley and, like, two other guys. But I I do like Maton as a, you know, just a guy you can trust to get you good ratios and strikeouts. Right, and then I think you also put down Jake Myers here. Oh, yeah. God, I'm so sick of Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick. 
<laughs> I got I like them both. I like I them both. Guys. I, I hate how much I like them both. No, it's like they're the same player. It's but like they can't both be good at the same time or or healthy at the same time. And then when like when they're both healthy, they they're both bad. I don't understand it. I don't understand the dynamic. But anyway, it's so the equivalent is like you and I sharing a brain cell, essentially, is what it comes yeah, we, to. We can Not, only only one only, only one of us can hold the brain cell at a time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Myers has been really good while McCormick's been out. Uh, I haven't heard anything about McCormick being back soon. Uh, it, it's possible that he's going to be back soon, and I just missed it. But uh, the got just fill in what I always say about Chaz McCormick. He's a fine hitter, and it's a good lineup. Ugh. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Angels. Uh, Griffin Canning, you threw in here. Um, I think uh, this is mostly just we we talked about this basically just because I feel like there was a reason outside of Jose Suarez just not being as good as we thought, but he also just completely shredded the Brewers, who, by the way, have the absolute worst WRC plus in the league against left-handed pitching at 67. Oh, um, Canning, notably not a lefty. No, I'm talking about Jose Suarez. Oh, okay. okay. Yes. Jose Suarez shredded the, uh, I know, I know we, we, I talked about this being because we just think that Jose oh, Suarez I thought you isn't were actually saying, that good. Yeah, I thought you were saying did, canning. No, 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 no. Yeah, okay. I got you. I got you. I follow now. Yes. But uh uh I think that was generally the idea is that canning would be the next one up. Well, he he just had his fourth start today. Uh it didn't go well. Ugh. Um I the 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 reason he's on this list is because I like him as a streamer. Now, his start today was against St. Louis, who have been bad lately, but they are still a high-potential offense, and they did scorch him for five runs today. Uh, I, will be, I would happily run Canning out there against the lesser offense, is, is really the, the point of having him here. He's put in really good starts against Washington, against uh, the Yankees, and he even had a pretty good start against Oakland, who have, have been pretty good lately offensively. Struck out seven in Oakland in uh, in five innings. Not bad. Uh, speaking of Oakland, let's head there next. Uh, Jesus Aguilar, I threw down here. I don't know how much he's actually been playing. I know you pointed this out that the playing time might not actually be yeah, as good as we think. Not enough. Uh, I think that the uh, the coming out party of like Brent Rooker being as good as he has been has certainly hurt that. Uh, Brent Rooker's been absolutely nuts. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I I don't think the playing time is quite there. Although he did have, I think when I was looking at him last week, he had like three home runs in a week span, but it was only f- with four RBI throughout that whole time too. So there just isn't enough production there. Uh, you were done, JJ Blade, who is doing some stuff right now. Yes, another post hype prospect. Blade was absolutely demolishing AAA with a one fifty WRC plus. And more importantly, a 12.6% strikeout rate this year. And this is a dude that struck out over 27% of the time last year between AAA and the majors. If the plate discipline gains are anything close to real, then I love Blade as a post-hype power-hitting sleeper. Dig it. Right. Uh, I wrote down... Sh- I think... Did I write down Shea Langoliers? No, that was, that was probably me. Shea, uh, okay. Shea Langoliers is just another of the many two-catcher options that I like. I, I compared him to a Cal Raleigh type 
last time I talked about him, and I, I feel like that still holds. I don't think he's going to get you a great batting average. I think he's got a decent hit tool long term, but you know, I, I don't know if he ever hits like, I don't know if he ever hits 250, but he is going to hit a bunch of home runs. And so far he's got six, and I expect that sort of league average bat that's carried by his power to continue. All right. Uh, probably one of the more exciting people we will talk about on this episode, aside from the other Miller that we're going to mention in just a second, uh, Mason Miller. How is he only 20% rostered or less than 20% rostered still? Dude, I, don't I, I don't get it. I don't get there, it. There are so many pitchers who I'm like, how, they, man, they're at 40%. And then there's Mason Miller, who's one of the most exciting pitching prospects we've seen in a while, like who no one's adding. I don't get it. Very weird. Uh, just get him. That, that's that's it that's, that's the tweet um yeah jp sears had a pretty nice start yesterday yeah was that today I, i've forgotten like what time is at this point who, who cares this, this episode on. this episode isn't being posted for another two days time has no meaning that's uh, true jp sears uh is so i mentioned before that josiah gray had a 30 ish percent whiff rate on his fastball which put him in elite company well jp sears fastball is around 29%, which you know, puts him close to elite company. The, uh, it, it appears that J.P. Sears, Sears's problem is that he ca- he's a lefty and he cannot get lefty hitters out, which I did not expect. Uh, he's fastball sweeper mostly, so I, I expected him to do well against same-hand hitters, but he's really struggled against lefties and <laughs> struck out right-hand hitters at like a 30% clip, which is really high. I, it's a really good ballpark and he's got the makings of a fun repertoire. I, I would not be against a speculative ad of JP Sears. I actually put in a waiver claim for him in one league earlier today. Do I think he's going to be good? Probably not, but you can kind of see the ingredients there for a solid starting pitcher, especially with Oakland's propensity for turning out, you know, mediocre starting pitchers out of nowhere. I think he could be one of those. Love it. All right. Uh, last one for the A's. You wrote down Zach Jackson. Oh my God. Yeah. Zach Jackson is like, how bad do you need saves? Closer carousel, baby. What's going on in Oakland? If if the answer is I I need saves like I need water in the desert, like then you might want to roster Zach Jackson. the The Athletics have yeeted Jerry's Familia into the shadow realm, which kind of leaves Zach Jackson as the last man standing for save opportunities. The only problem is the Athletics never get save opportunities. So I I hate to admit this, but I actually do roster Zach Jackson in a league where I'm in dire need of saves. And yeah, I, I mean, he, he seems like the only logical candidate left unless they play matchups and let uh, Maul get a save or something. Do I love it? No. Are saves a necessity sometimes? Yes. It hurts so much to think about. I'm just waiting for my good friend Liam Hendricks to yeah. make his debut. I'm so oh. excited for that. I've been Same. stashing him in so many leagues. Same, same. I have them in, uh, in a couple. Great. Love that. Uh, all right, let's get our last two teams here. We got one player each. Uh, Seattle, Bryce Miller. Uh, 
over 20% rostered already, which is like correct. That should be the thing. He should be rostered in even more leagues, honestly. Uh, if he's available in your league, get him now. It, that fastball that, that, is stupid. It's so good. It's so good, man. Ugh. I watched I watched the entirety of that start and every I was just like I feel like there's some pitchers when you watch them pitch the stuff that they're able to do. Like for it's just like this giddiness that overcomes you. And I can like I find myself physically like sitting there like laughing watching them pitch. That was like watching Bryce Miller's fastball. Um ugh, just so fun. God. Uh now- but the disclaimer is that it was against Oakland, and Oakland is not a good hitting team against righties. Sure. But this is still major league hitters who were just completely overpowered by his fastball. Baffled. At, at one point, he was throwing like 75 or 80% fastballs, and Oakland was just doing nothing with them. Yep. Now, the risk is that he runs into a better team that is more capable of hitting fastballs. Like, even even Spencer Strider got touched up for you know, a three-run home run by Pete Alonso in his last start, which I bring up for absolutely no reason. But even the best fastballs get hit by major league pitchers. So uh, hopefully his other stuff is... His other stuff had good stuff plus numbers from from what I've seen. The It's just a matter of can he use it all, the whole repertoire effectively. Yeah, is stuff plus calculated like in relation to the fastball? I don't think so, but I don't know how that works. I could be wrong. I, I'm sorry if I'm misquoting that, and I don't mean to put ideas in people's heads. I just can't remember exactly how it's calculated and if the fastball, like if you have like the same slider but a better or worse fastball, would the stuff plus number on the slider change? Is that what you're trying Something to get like at? That. I don't know. It's so late. <laughs> I. I don't know what I'm trying to say at this point. Uh, point is, the point is, Bryce Miller, good. Add Bryce now. Miller, good. Yes, correct. Uh, all right, last player, Ezekiel Duran, someone that I was very sad that I did not get into my TGFBI lineup because I had apparently forgotten to press save uh, earlier this week. When I made my pickups during Fab, I thought I had set my lineup right after Fab ran, and I did not. So, uh, yeah, Ezekiel Duran, he's got three or four position eligibility depending on the type of league that you have and what platform you're on and he's going to be getting regular starts uh the batting average is kind of what i was looking for here because that was one of my weakest points when it came to my tgfbi team and if i had had him in my lineup he would have helped me out there so (laughs) that's pretty much the extent of that uh also going to be able to steal bases too so that's always nice uh so yeah ezekiel duran is definitely a pickup for me if you're looking for help in batting average I, I assume that uh, Ezekiel Duran is not a hit with the ladies because ladies love play discipline and he does not have that. So that's a profile that I generally hate. Uh, and I, I need to see more of a body of work for him before I, before I fall for him. But I'm right there with you in that I am riding his current hot streak where I can. Love it. All right. Uh, I think that is it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Thank you all so much for joining us once again. We appreciate it. If you like the show, feel free to give us a follow on Twitter on our shared podcast account. That's going to be at in the DPL. You can tweet at us there. I am going to be tweeting about getting Shrubsy to write an article from the account oh, after cool. we're I done here. You, I hope you forgot about that. I didn't. And I'm not going to let anyone else forget about it either. Uh, 
You can also follow us individually on Twitter at Schwebzy for Schwebzy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. No C as a reminder for those people who have spelled it wrong. Get it right. Every, right. Everyone puts a C in it. Everybody. Put some, put some respect on his name because there's no it, C. It's unbelievable. Uh, and then you can follow me at Bunt Singles uh, and Schwebzy. One. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I sure will. I can't and wait also, to introduce you to. I can't wait to introduce you to Tater and my mother-in-law. That's such a <laughs> such a weird sentence. But also, I am excited about that. It's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be great. All right, Schwabzi, send him out. Bye, friends. Bye.